0: Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Wiener, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: and thank you for meeting me in the middle, sometime every Saturday at two o'clock when we st- pick some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. And we try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. I'll be with you until four o'clock. two hours the show is now. And then Curtis will comes in for left versus right. He and I have a lot to cover. We've both been kind of scratching our heads. I'm gonna talk about this in the program a little bit about the differences in the rallies between people who are supporting the Palestinians and people who are supporting the Israelis and just generally how the political vibe has changed a lot in the time that he and I have been in politics. Look forward to that. We've got, I think Christians on the calls. I see Matt Meaney's over there. Wow. Matt's come out. Kevin supervising things. I don't know if it's a good sign or bad sign when they call out the A-team to run your show. You know, it's this is the seventh straight week of rain, right? Every weekend we've had rain. You heard Bob Brown talk about it during the news break. And so when I asked, you know, I asked Matt, who knows, he's been around radio a long time. I says, you know, why is my show doing better? He says, oh, because it's raining every Saturday. People have to listen. Like rain is good for radio. And then I said, well, what about in the summer? I was doing pretty well then too. He says, oh yeah, because the Mets and the Yankees both stink when the Mets and the Yankees don't play well. You people listen to other stuff. I'm like, isn't there any possibility, any, in all of your years of analysis that I could just be doing a very excellent radio show and my callers are rallying to the, to the, you know, they're driving this interesting conversation. He says, no, I don't think so. Anyway, Matt's on the other side of the glass. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you want to reach me, at RepWiener is my Twitter handle. Anthony D. Wiener, I think it is on Threads. Wiener, WABC, at gmail.com. But the best way is just to give us a call, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So it's been another very newsy week. Um, now, I hope I get some credit from you, the listeners, and the and the brass here at the station. I have not talked about hockey yet, even though the hockey season has begun. Jordan is back on the ice. They made Jordan the captain of his team, which is really great. And they're also trying him out on defense. I know. You don't need to remind me. I've been warned about not doing a half hour of hockey every show, but I'm really proud of him. And being made the the captain, it, 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 it's a means. I guess what it means is you kind of lead the you lead the stretching during the you lead the cheers and the uh, you I don't know whatever it is. It's nice. He's 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 really. I mean I I think it's a sign that they this team teammates respect him. It's really great. The Islanders lost to the Devils last night in overtime. Really good game. Devils are the better team, but, but Sorokin kept them in minute. Other news this week. I, I don't think I need to talk much about the fact that the Republicans don't have a speaker. Uh, Jim Jordan won't be the speaker. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's such a, such a shame. Um, but we can talk about that a little bit. I mean, there really is, I was talking about this before I came on, you know, there really is, in a sense, the Republicans have a coalition government like they have in Europe. And there are two sides of the Republican Party, the institutional guys or the pre-Trump guys and the Trump guys. And they just can't get along. And they're in a coalition together necessary for the Republicans to run the House. And so I don't know how this gets resolved. I mean, the easiest way is for some of them to say, listen, let's try to come up with a, a coalition with the Democrats. Um, and that would upset some people, but it would be a way to get the country and the Congress running again. In other news, Joe Biden had his interview with the special prosecutor investigating his classified documents case. People forget he has one, too. So we're expecting that report soon. I mean, the, the guy has been working on it for a while, so hopefully we'll get some answers to whether he mishandled classified documents, and if so, what happens with that. In the second hour, I'm going to talk about the problems that Donald Trump is having this week. He's had another bad week. Two of the people that were indicted with him in the Georgia conspiracy case have both flipped. And I told you when 19 of them, I think, were indicted back a couple of months ago, I said that not all of them were going to trial. I'd be surprised if even a half dozen went to trial. But what's interesting about these two people, Kenneth Cheeseborough and Sidney Powell, they're his lawyers. They're Donald Trump's lawyers. And that's important. And I'll explain a little bit more. Maybe we'll do this in the second hour because I want to talk about what's going on in Earth Israel first. But it's important for a very big reason. Donald Trump is going to use something called the defense of the... Um, the advice of counsel defense. And if your counsels are both testifying against you, that can be trouble, troublesome, but I'll, we can get to that in hour two. So the big news continues to be how Israel has responded to this terrible terrorist attack on her. We're into someone on the train right just now. Another instance of a young person. He says, why is the United States blocking the aid to coming, coming in for the Palestinians? And what's typical about that question, on one hand, is coming from a young person. And and I'll talk about this a little bit because Curtis and I want to talk about it also. But also, it's a terrible misunderstanding a lot of people have about what's going on in Gaza. The gate, the Rafah gate, leads not to Israel, but it leads to, to Egypt, a fellow Sunni Arab state. As a matter of fact, Gaza used to be, as I've talked about in past shows, part of Egypt. So why is it that it's difficult even to get humanitarian supplies in there? And why is that gate even closed? Well, the reason is that since Hamas took over in 2007, it has not just been Israel that has been in a declared kind of state of war with Hamas. It's been Egypt as well. There have been coups against Egypt that have been spurred by Hamas and their predecessor, the Muslim Brotherhood. These same terrorists have been disrupting, have wanted to uh, engage in a coup in Jordan. And the reason this has been so difficult to get in is because everyone who doesn't understand the, the region is like, oh, everyone in Gaza is all pulling together to protect the innocent. no. When Israel said, flee the north, go to the south, because that's where we, we think our hostages are and we're going to be attacking there. there was, it was Hamas that was trying to stop people from leaving. I mean, there's an important difference between Israel and, and Hamas. Israel can wipe out the entire West Bank 15 times over, but they don't do it because they have respect for the innocent civilians. Hamas can never wipe out Israel, so they want to attack as many innocent people as possible. Fundamental difference. But there was a rally here just down the block. Kevin Josh just showed me some pictures of it. Uh, a pro-Palestinian rally. And um, it was a video, but I could freeze frame it a little bit. I wasn't here. I was here earlier in the day, and I saw the police massing for it. It's a lot of young people. It's a lot of people in their 20s and a lot of seemingly liberal people and you know it's very upsetting these are these are left voices who are turning against 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 Israel and the Jews and people that have been very faithful to their left causes and I, and it's hard to try to tell you how how many you know me and so many l- like me who are on the left and who recognized that Israel is the David in this, in this David and Goliath story, not the Goliath. So imagine if George Floyd was killed and there were mass KKK rallies celebrating it and calling for more police brutality and all your friends were promoting it. How would my friends in the Black Lives Matter movement feel about that? Well, that's what it's like to be a Jew and a friend of Israel right now. Imagine if there was a stop hate rally. And people were holding up signs alongside that rally saying Asians deserve to be, to be killed. And famous people all tweeted that they agreed. Or what's another example? Imagine if, if after a school shooting happened, people were out holding signs saying shoot more kids and the New York Times endorsed it. That's what it's like right now. Now these people. Don't matter. The president of the United States, who spoke up again forcefully this week, unambiguously in support of Israel, and as he, as he has for over a year and a half in support of, of our allies in Ukraine. And the people that matter in the media, for the most part, understand that. As a matter of fact, when, when, you know, I've been watching a lot of Fox, to be honest, and after Donald, after Joe Biden's speech, I was interested in the takeaway. This is just one cut. This is Britt Hume of Fox News. Listen to what he had to say.
0: Uh, Britt, this is the president's second Oval Office address. Your overall thoughts about him tonight? Well, I think it may be remembered as one of the best, if not the best, speeches of his presidency. He was firm. He was unequivocal. He was strong, as he has been, particularly uh, in recent days when he was before he went to Israel and while he was over there. I mean,
1: th- the... I can tell you just listening to the voices coming out of Israel and even – I mean, look, the European Union are the most feckless people anywhere. The European Parliament voted 500 to 21 in favor of a resolution saying the terrorist organization Hamas needs to be eliminated. So the important people – and Joe Biden put together this coalition of European countries that put out this powerful statement of support of – the important people and in Congress over 400 of the 435 members of Congress – are, sta- are signing on to a resolution that hopefully will pass eventually in support of Israel. And when that aid package comes to Capitol Hill, I hope it gets a broad bipartisan support. So the important people that we care about, whose views matter, are saying and doing the right thing. But I can't, I don't, won't lie to you, we have a problem in our left on Israel. Now, you have a problem on your right anti, uh, with anti-Semitism, and I count on people on the right, who are legitimate, good, patriotic Americans saying you can agree or disagree about Israel, but the anti-Semitism on the right is out of control. But for now, I just want to focus on my lawnsman, on the people that I think I've supported their things. So as I was saying, I, I looked at some of the video that Kevin took and I freeze framed on some of the, on some of the posters. And I see things like ceasefire now. But I don't see any poster saying free the hostages now. How is hostage taking of children and civilians, how's that not something, all right, you want to say ceasefire now, but maybe give the hostages back as part of that poster? I didn't see that. And a lot of free Palestine. I just suggest something. Don't get into fistfights with anyone, but go up to someone who's holding one of these things or wearing a button that says Free Palestine. Ask them, where's Palestine? And they said, "Uh, you know, I actually did this. I'm doing a podcast about this next week. I have a podcast that comes out on Wednesday called The Middle Unplugged. And I'm going to go into this question of like how to talk to young people about this. not to be condescending, but like just where is Palestine? Is it the West Bank? Is it Gaza? Is it the lands in between? You know, for 30 years, you could travel between Ramallah in the, in the West Bank and Gaza without hitting a single checkpoint. You could just travel basically from, I mean, basically something of an Arab state, uh, something of a Palestinian state. You can't do that anymore because why? Because when Israel offered to make that uh, a Palestinian state and to remove settlements, even if it was very unpopular in their country, Yasser Arafat at the time got up at the Oslo Accords, got up from Y River, stormed away and started the Second Intifada and instructed people to go out and start doing suicide bombings and homicide bombings on buses in, in Israel. So when people say free Palestine, well, what about freeing it from Hamas? (laughs) You gotta figure, you gotta figure that's a good thing to free them from. And what, where? Let's assume for a moment it's Gaza. Okay, in 2005, as I explained, the Israelis unilaterally, without any concessions, got up and left Gaza. Two years later, after the people of the territories chose Hamas, and Hamas went on a killing spree and wiped out what was left of the Palestinian Authority and Egypt and began launching terrorism both here and in Egypt, that was palestine right but then there are some people that say no no that's not palestine palestine is wherever an arab w- w- wants to go it can be the golan it can be Herzliya. it can be tel aviv and so when you say to them does that mean that where do the where do the jews that live there now go it says well free palestine what they mean is they don't believe israel should exist that's what they mean by free palestine So it's very troubling. And what do I attribute it to? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's this tendency to do this whole old man shouting at clouds, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 is the phone number. It's Anthony Weiner. This is the middle. I'll be here till 4 o'clock. There is this tendency maybe to do this whole, hey, kids get off my lawn kind of thing. It's TikTok. It's the short attention span. It's people getting their news from facebook whatever rather than really doing some research on it but i think there's something to that the problem is when one of these young people says to me i saw it on i saw it online i say you people lie to you online all the time and you're really smart about sussing that out no this whole notion of authenticity the reason young people on the left buy into the idea That it's the Palestinians that are the underdogs. Is that they pick up their phone and they see the image of a teenager in torn jeans wearing a bandana over his face, throwing a stone. And that simple visual is enough to say, oh, that's the underdog. That's the side I'm on. And they say in politics, if you're explaining, you're losing. Well, I'm sorry. In order to understand the Middle East, you got to do some explaining. And we're going to try to do a little of that today. We're going to take your calls as well. In the second hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about some domestic things, about the Trump situation. Or if this runs a little long, we can take more calls here. This, I know this issue people are very passionate about. 800-848-WABC, 800 848 I'm with you until 4 o'clock. It's Anthony Weiner. I'm so grateful that you're with us on this gray day. And we'll see you on the other side of the break.
0: WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weiner he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
1: Back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. that's Chicago. Bring us back in Saturday in the park. Glad to have you along here. We'll be here till four o'clock and then Curtis Sleewa comes in. He's been as puzzled as I am about kind of the relative numbers on the different in the different protests. But I will say something to my I mean, I've heard this I've heard a lot of complaining about, about these protests. And you know, fire them get their names and numbers, make them terrorists. I was under the impression that the right was in favor of free speech and the right was against cancel culture. If someone wants to stand on your street corner and say something idiotic, that's, you know, okay, we can deal with that. I mean, already on the board, people say, label them terrorists because they carry a sign that's supporting. Look, I, I get the instinct. Talked last week about this guy, Bill Ackman, this overrated hedge fund guy who he came up with the idea of anyone who signs one of these letters on college campuses that are wrong headed, that we should out them so they can never get jobs again. All right. I, I guess I'm fine. I'm actually not 100% against that. The idea that someone should sign a letter and, and, and a, a future job interview should ask them to you know, explain what happened here. But I see people say, you know, like Let's arrest them, round them up, call them terrorists. You know, I'm 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 in the free speech camp. If someone wants to protest, it's our job to try to figure out what we're doing wrong in communicating with these people. But if someone wants to say that it's very difficult, it's a very difficult region that history goes back 75 years. If you just want to start the state of Israel, you can go back to biblical times if you want to, and that takes a little talking, a little explaining, it takes a couple hours on the radio. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's much easier sometimes to do the simple thing. We see it all the time. You know, cash bail, no cash bail is the reason we're, all, we have higher crime. You know, yes, it takes a little time to explain other things. But let's get some phone calls in. I got a few notes last week that I didn't leave enough time for people to call in because I was doing too much of a history lesson. I apologize for that. But let's get to the calls. And as I said, at the top of the hour, we'll do a little Donald Trump stuff. But if you want to talk about that, I'm there for you as well. Let's start out with Howie in Queens. Hey, Howie, thank you for calling.
2: Hey, Anthony, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. So um, I'm I'm glad you brought that topic up because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't like uh, some of the points of view that are being expressed out there, but I'm a little concerned if we, you know, quote-unquote, cancel them, that that's going to radicalize them even more and say, ah, see, we're – we're criticizing, uh, Israel and the look what happens to us now. That they're the ones in power. What do you have to
1: do? Yeah, I know. That? I think that there's something to that. Also, look, I don't think anyone responds well to just being told you, you're, you're wrong. You know, put away your sign. You're an idiot or you're even that you're young and you don't know any better. I believe that it is, and this is not a new problem. I believe that for years, the, the Palestinians and their supporters, have realized that optics is very important in isolating Israel long term. That the story of Israel is so compelling. Created after the Holocaust, created a democracy, a liberal democracy, a diverse democracy where 20% are Arabs in that country that has, you know, that is in the sea of, of totalitarian regimes in, 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 in that part of the world. But the, I get, you know, and so they said, well, we're going to have to do something to to change the narrative. And so they've done a very good job appealing, using our media to appeal to, uh, to appeal. But I don't think, you know, canceling them. I, but again, then again, having conversations with them. Maybe I'll include this in the podcast next week. I asked someone who was holding a sign at Union Square, not far from where I live. A young person I would be surprised if she's probably an NYU student or something like that. And she was carrying one of these free Palestine po- posters. And I asked her a couple of questions. And I said free from, and I said free from Hamas. And she said, no, free from, from the Jew, or whatever. I don't think she said Jews. I think she sensed. First, she thought I was a narc, which I'm not. But anyway, the point being that I try to engage her in an actual conversation about this stuff. And it didn't go terribly well. I don't think I won her over, but I don't think some kind of canceling is the way to go. I mean, I don't even know what that would even look like. Um, Next, let's go to uh, Al in Yonkers. Hey, Al, thank you for calling back.
3: Good afternoon, Congressman. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You know, I just wanted to say it, it's it's so important, and it's great that in this country uh, we still have strong support for our uh, one of our closest allies in the world, uh, the state of Israel. But I've noticed in the last thirty years, because even as a young guy, I always carried, uh, you know, covered and kept an eye on the current events in the Middle East. And would you agree? I mean, I've noticed that the, the support in this country for the Palestinian
1: cause in the last 30 years has really increased. Do you agree? Well, it's hard to say. I, I do think that the types of rallies that we're seeing around places like New York City are bigger than they used to be. Yeah. On the other hand, if you look at polls and if you look at – Congress, And if you look at the important measurements, you know, uh, but I do think that there is. And I've said this repeatedly and it's not a new phenomenon. We do have a problem with the American left, particularly young people. Um, yes, that's right. I think. Yes. Is that all you got Al?
4: Yeah, I know. I'm just, you know, I, that's, you know, I just wanted to
3: say I, I agree with you what you said. And uh, yeah, just like I said, you know, for I remember in the 80s, you know, the Palestinian cause, you would see no congressional people come out to support them but now i see more so uh, it's maybe because we have more arab americans in the in the country now
1: i mean some uh, is i I talked about this i think two weeks ago al because i i was part of a group that would when we would have the occasional votes moments like this and we would lose 15 20 members of congress we would always try to to fan out democrats and republicans together and try to figure out why we were losing these votes and what we can do, and in some cases we had some success. It's just people didn't know the issues because they came from places in the country that you couldn't even raise a minion, and they were coming to and dealing with issues that were important to Israel. Then there are some people who, for political reasons, that make some sense that they represent a Palestinian community, like people in Michigan, yeah, for like example. Michigan, that's yes, right. Yeah, but the um um but the then there are a handful that are just anti-Semitic. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of knuckleheads who just like refuse to listen and were pacifists or whatever it is and say, I don't believe it ever. You should ever defend yourself using force. But then there are just some anti-Semites. But when you say is the support growing, the The support is enormous for, for, um, for, for Israel. Let's go to Richard in Texas. Hey, Richard. Welcome back to the show.
5: Hi. How are you? I'm well. Uh, In this uh, thing, obviously, you know, you're Jewish, you're right on. But, you know, a lot of things, unfortunately, you tell half-truths. But in this, of course, you're spot on. But I'm a big believer in free speech, and if people want to uh, go and demonstrate for the Palestinians, that's fine. But you can't have someone from Citibank, a 25-year-old girl, and uh, working for Citibank and saying Hitler was right to kill the Jews, and she had gone to Brooklyn College, of all places, uh, and actually, stay on a job or a doctor who treats everybody and basically says the same thing—that's not free speech. That's unacceptable. I'm sure you would agree with that.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't disagree. It, it's well—is it free speech? I make a distinction. If Citibank decides that it's bad business, and thank you, Richard, call us again. And by the way, Richard, every week he always brings a lot to the table. He is hardly ever right, but I still have him back on because that's what this show is about. Um, I don't have a problem with someone speaking up and saying wrong things, even anti-Semitic things, even racist things. But I would hold it against Citibank if they didn't fire that person. <laughs> and if I'm Citibank, I don't want that person working for me. And the same way if I am a dentist, a neighborhood dentist, you are perfectly – you have it within your right to stand up and say whatever dopey thing hateful thing that you want. But if people don't want to come to you and get their teeth drilled by you anymore, that's not being canceled. That's people saying, I just don't, I I choose not to, to use your services anymore because I don't like people who think that way. I guess the difference is, is that Republicans and conservatives have recently taken up this idea of unfettered, unlimited free speech with no consequences. So when... When Musk buys Twitter and he lets all these anti-Semites back on, he loses advertisements. He loses advertisers. That's the way it's supposed to go because who would want to advertise next to a bunch of anti-Semitic screeds? But I just want to try to understand where the no-cancel culture People stand on this stuff. You can't just say, I don't want cancel culture when someone says something right wing crazy and you, and the left winger says that you suddenly want to cancel them. I don't even know what any of this means anymore, to be honest. I am, I am fine if someone who's a comedian gets caught up in a Me Too or gets caught up in a scandal of some sort and I decide I just can't listen to that guy anymore and I just, I stop buying his stuff. I don't need the guy to, I don't need the death penalty for that people are are free to make to to make those kind of judgments. let's go to jay in the bronx hey jay welcome back to the show
6: oh hey anthony so um i'd like to go back to nineteen forty seven and you know i'd like to hear your view on this because uh you know i'm uh i'm my, one of my grandparents was uh, born in uh palestine um and uh you know that was when the uh, ottomans Uh, occupied, and, you know, his whole family was slaughtered, Um, you know, and there's been a lot of this going on, massacres in this region for a long time. Um, So take, take us back to 1947. So what do you say if somebody says, well, you know, the area was called Palestine. It was occupied by all these, like, you know, conquering armies and then colonial powers and Britain and the U.S. was involved. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone decides that it's going to be Israel. And the Palestinians obviously have been upset ever since. And, uh, you know, then there was like wars and might makes right. But how do you explain basically just like taking Palestine making it Israel? Like, what about that moment in time?
1: Well, it's a great question. And and a lot of this comes down to where you start the clock on the history is how you tell the story. But if you want to start it in 1947 and 1948 and the creation of Israel – there is a description that you gave there that's not entirely right. No one just no one just declared anything. In fact, it was a plan was created by. It wasn't called Palestine. I mean, the whole region. I mean, Palestine has changed. And you know, you, you talked about the 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 Ottomans. You can go with the Babylonians and the Macedonians and the and the Romans and the Byzantines. I mean, you can go back and back and back and back and back, and you can you know, the definitions of what is Palestine changed a hundred times. But this spit of land that was that was there. It was the United Nations that had created a partition that said, listen, let's try to have the people live here side by side. We, we th- there was an acknowledgement that you needed to have a Jewish state. that The Jews have been chased out of, out of Spain. They'd been chased out of, out of Palestine back in whenever that was even before it was called Palestine and the Israelites. They've been chased out of obviously in Europe. They're sp- scattered all around the world. And so they came up with a plan, a partition plan to say, listen, let's create an Arab state. Let's create for the Palestinians. Let's create a Jewish state. Let's divide up the, the, the holy city of, of Jerusalem and have it supervised by the United Nations. No one gets to completely control that. And the Jews said, we don't like this plan. We want more. But we'll accept it because we'll take whatever we can get and we just want to live in peace. And what did the re- the people that lived on the land at the time say? Well, they left their land and joined the Arab armies of 20 countries in the region to try to wipe out those Jews who had moved into the area. So that's what I say. I say that every time, by the way, 1940, the partition plan was just the first. Whether it be, whether it be the, the, Oslo Accords, whether it be the Y River Accords, whether it be the European Plan. Every time it's the Israelis who have said, yes, we'll take whatever deal you're gonna offer. And every time it has been the Arabs who have said no, because they don't care about the Palestinians there. They just care about white. Now, there, the, 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 were there people that were displaced? I guess, yes. And just like there were people that were displaced, because of slavery here, just like there were people displaced because of colonialism all around the world. I accept that the that Israel has some of that. And that's why they have both accepted Arabs as part of their country and accepted every peace plan when it came across their desk. And it's the Palestinians that have said no. And we'll be right back with more of the bill.
7: Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 W.A.B.C. Summertime. And
1: so welcome back to the middle on a rainy Saturday. We hardly ever have rain on Saturdays except every weekend. We're having a conversation about the Middle East, but we're also trying to figure out a way to talk about it and a way to understand what the two sides are saying here. And I know, you know, we, we heard some cuts. Bob just played some some cuts and had some some sound about, you know, people saying you support terrorists. I don't know why it's so hard for the supporters of the Palestinians to realize that freeing Hamas that that liberating the territories means killing Hamas. One of the reasons why these these trucks of supplies are waiting at the Rafah gate and could not get in they're finally moving I think. Is that Hamas can't be trusted as the as the as the managers of Gaza. And they took it over by force, but also, they, you know, they had support in the early days. They can't be trusted not to steal it, not to sell it, not to, you know, they have no interest in helping the Palestinian cause. They're trying to create a caliphate across the Arab world and Israel's in the way. And, you know, you, you listen to these protesters you know the leaders of hamas have stole millions of dollars of aid over the years and they all and these they they live in luxury mostly outside of gaza the leaders of hamas ismail haniya you know one of the leaders of hamas he lives in in qatar his three sisters live in israel and 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 there's a reason by the way that egypt also has this blockade The same reason Jordan and Syria and Lebanon, no one wants to take in the Palestinians. Whatever aid they're getting from the United States, from Israel, from the international community, it's because the Arab world has not taken care of them. And I don't see these people out protesting that. I mean, that's the frustration. Why can't, I mean, it's totally fine to be concerned about the Palestinians. It is. Especially the children. If you're a Palestinian child or any child, you've done nothing wrong. You have no politics. You have voted, you haven't voted wrong. You haven't done anything. You're just a victim. Now, your parents, your grandparents, who chose Hamas, or who think that Israel's the problem and not that, you know, and and have been taught hate by the, by Saudis, they've been reading textbooks ever since you were born, with maps of the Middle East that don't include the nation, the, the state of Israel, and description of the evil Zionists, the, the you know. But if you're concerned about the Palestinians, I'm fine. I have no one holding up a sign saying, "Let's be concerned about about the Palestinians." That's fine. It is unfortunate that that they have someone launching missiles from their backyard. That is unfortunate. But to not realize that. Freeing Palestine, if we're going to use their language, means freeing it from Hamas. And that's what the Israelis are trying to do, and that's why they have uh, so much support. Let's go to Stefano in the Bronx. Hey, Stefano.
8: Hey, how are you? I'm well. Uh, I'm so sorry that I I catch a little time when I'm driving to work, because I wish I could be at home and take some notes, because by the time you get to me. But anyway, I'm going to throw a few things out there. Obviously, I've called you before, so you do know that I'm interested in your point of view. Um, But sometimes I do wonder about the title, the middle, because actually before when you were speaking, you said people like me on the left. I find you to be more on that side. Although I believe that a broken clock even is right twice a day, which, so a couple of things. When they were talking about um, labeling uh, and labeling is terrorist, well, they were trying to do that to the parents, uh, when they were getting involved with the school unions and all that stuff. I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there and then you can. Come well, why don't you do, why
1: don't you one tight, give me your best one.
8: Oh, uh, geez. Uh, okay. Um, so I, 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 I understand everything you said about the history out there and you're right. So uh, two things. One about the financing that the Democrats have done throughout the years, starting from Obama with Iran. And how do you feel about that? And two, how do you feel about uh, Trump, on the other hand, with the Abrams Accords, which I think was a pretty smart thing to do, because just like you said, it was the common denominator was always the Palestinians never wanting to get involved. So, he had, yeah, a, but, I mean, let's simple. let's but, I
1: appreciate that's two excellent things to stone First of all, the Abraham Accords are great. You but UAE and Bahrain, that's the easy stuff. That doesn't really do anything about solving the overall Palestinian problem. The UAE and Bahrain were not never the big funders. They did some, but they were never big funders of terrorism. I mean, the UAE is probably the most Western of the, of the Arab states. And Bahrain, you know, is a, is a, is a pimple on the politics of that neighborhood. That's nothing. So the Abraham Accord is fine. Now, if they had, if they, and I think there are some things that Donald Trump did that were very good. I think moving the embassy, something I tried to do for years, Democrat and Republican said they would do it. Donald Trump finally did it. More power to it. Kudos. But you know where Donald Trump was this week? He was hosting a golf, a golf tournament for the Saudis. It's outrageous. But as far as the other thing, the arraigned and I talked a little bit about the podcast I did this week, episode of 50, I think it's 52 of of the middle unplugged where I talk a little about the different countries. And we got to be careful not to get over your skis about the Democrats funding Iran. For years and years and years, the challenge was to cut off Iran from the international community and to cut off their funding by having sanctions against them, okay? And for years and years and years, the purpose of those sanctions was to stop Iran, both from exporting terrorism, yes, but most importantly, in the eyes of the world, to stop them from getting a nuclear weapon. That was job one. So when one Hillary Clinton came into office as Secretary of State She did something that no secretary of state, no president has been able to do. Whenever we would put sanctions on Iran or they would just go to the Chinese or to the Russians who would buy their oil and they didn't care. The sanctions were useless. Well, Hillary Clinton came in under Barack Obama and finally got the Chinese and the Russians to join us in the sanctions against Iran. Towards what end? Towards getting them to not develop a nuclear weapon. And so the Iran nuclear deal was not the Iran make not make them nice deal. It wasn't the make them into good people, make them members of your local book club deal. No, it was try to stop them from getting a nuclear weapon. That was the Iran nuclear deal. Did it work? Yes. They had stopped their development of nuclear weapons. And it, don't take the – it's not my word – it was the international community and Donald Trump's intelligence agencies who said, yes, they had stopped because they had to read to open up all their facilities. So when Donald Trump took us out of the deal – and I'm not sure it was the wrong idea. I've always been very ambivalent about this. But to us out of the deal, what began to happen? Iran went back to developing nuclear weapons. Now, the the, the, the to, to the extent that the the sanctions were lifted, they never – You know, they were never completely lifted. There were some sanctions that were still in place. But now they're much easier to get around for Iran. You know why? Because they buy oil from China again, through Malaysia. So that's where their money is coming from. So you can say, oh, the Democrats gave them a bunch of money. That's just not true. And if we wake up in two years or a year from now and Iran is a nuclear weapon, imagine how this situation looks with Hamas with a nuclear weapon. So let's put down our, our... Two-cent politics about this. Oh, the Democrats, bad. And I know Stefano wants to do that. And by the way, you know, okay, you don't want me to call it the middle. And I, and I don't ask anyone to lay their politics at the door when they come into this conversation. I call it the middle for the reason I say in my introduction is that I try to push off from the extremes. It doesn't mean I don't have my biases. I don't have my viewpoints. I was always one of the most hawkish members of Congress when it came to Israel is that a Republican position no I think it's a democratic position and the middles a good name by the way when you hear something funny about the middle I don't think I told Matt this yet there's this new podcast that's launching and they're stealing our name and our lawyers here like Emily and they're they're sicking them because they they're they're gonna get them go get them right using my name they're not using Wiener. now that would be funny we'll be right back
0: it's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 W.A.B.C.
1: that a great version? As have had a James bring us back in. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm with you until 4 o'clock today. Curtis Lewa coming in. You know, I'm going to ask Curtis about what we're talking about because he's got some interesting views on this. He and I, our, our views are very similar on this. We're both fervent Zionists and proud of it. But the other thing I'm going to ask him about is what's going on today on Avenue B in Alphabet City what some people are rebranding the East Village. It is the Dog parade or something. People are dressed up their dogs and they're dressed up themselves and they're marching, parading from about 14th Street, 13th Street down to Tompkins Square Park. And it's the Tompkins Square Park dog parade. I think it's usually done in the dog run, but they have some construction. A lot of dogs there. And Curtis, being a cat person, I've seen a, he's a tough guy, right? He wears the sateen jacket, the red beret, and goes and, well, he goes in all kinds of dangerous places. I think they eat them alive. Not a good place for cat people right now. Dog is a, a dog tsunami down there. I hope the weather the weather permits it. All right, let's get back to the calls. We're talking about some serious things. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And let's go to uh, Chris and Beth Page. Hey, Chris, welcome back.
5: Hey, Anthony. Um, <clears throat> I like listening to your show. Well, I do disagree with you, Richard from Texas. I think always. Makes good points, and you seem to say that he's wrong. I was, I, was,
1: I was just joking. You, you're right. I'm, I'm actually okay. glad you called that back because I was joking because he took a little run at me. Okay. I, was just, I was being okay. playful. But go ahead. What do you got today, Chris? Uh,
5: anyhow, <clears throat> with you, Anthony, listen, the one show I listen to all the time on the station, besides sit in Friends. I love that show. But the other show that I listen to all the time is Cat at Night at 5 it's, o'clock. It's, it's Appointment Radio. I learned so much on that show. And one of the things I learned from the owner himself, John Katzman TV's he says it all the time. That because of Biden's policies, this is coming from Katz, that they've enriched themselves over the last couple of years, what they're making in oil. And he said it's strict it's mainly due to the Biden policies. So it's not the callers that are coming up with this two bit political stuff that you're saying. So I wanna ask you this, can you ever be fair? Can you have the owner of your station on the show as your guest, you have three hours. You have but to Chris, five. but
1: be, but before you continue, I just want to understand the point that you say that he's making. Who's enriched themselves? Doing what?
5: Iran, Iran is enriching themselves. They've enriched themselves, and everyone knows that they're behind all of this. Everyone, right? Knows Iran, this. Iran has enriched Iran. themselves,
1: right, because they are they're an oil state, and oil it's good. It's a good business to be in. So, what's your point?
5: Okay, so as John Casimir T. V. says. A couple of years ago, okay, they were making next to nothing. Trump had basically squozed them off, okay? Now, I'm getting this from John Cassidy. So a couple of years ago, when Biden came into office, he apparently uh, lift, lifted a lot of the sanctions. This is what he's saying, and that they've made so much money in the last two years. Iran has. Iran. So here's what, what but okay, okay. Now, I, I
1: is- now I understand. All right, let me talk a little bit about Iran, oil, and what has been going on. <clears throat> So the the major thing, by the way, we are exporting more. We're exporting more oil than almost any time in American history. Now prices are very high, and prices are high because a supply has been limited by a couple of things. One, it's been limited by the war that we're trying to to strangle um, the Russians and to stop their oil from being exported, so they can't support their war machine. And the other thing that is happening is the Arabs through OPEC, particularly Saudi, Donald Trump's best friends have been limiting production to drive up the price of oil. You know who likes that? Oil companies like that. They love high prices. That's why when they had opportunities to drill in more places, they didn't do it because they don't want to add more supply. They're business people. They're capitalists. That's why. Now, who else likes high oil prices and limited demand? Anyone that has oil and wants to raise money. Do the Iranians want to do that? Yes. Before the Iran nuclear deal was was torn up, before it was it was torn up, the Chinese, the Russians, the United States were all in it together to try to strangle Iran's ability to create a nuclear weapon. Once it was torn up, and once we kind of went head-to-head with the Chinese, the Chinese said, you know what, we're going to go back to buying Iranian oil. Now, do they do it directly? No, they do it through places like Malaysia. But the Iranians are benefiting by high oil prices and the limited demand. There's no doubt about that. And that's why I say, and Chris, I hope you're with me on this, let's start consuming less oil. Drive down the demand. Let's drive it down by by conserving. Let's drive it down by driving electric vehicles. Let's drive it down by going to wind and to solar. Let's screw the Iranians. Let's screw the Saudis. Let's take the money out of Hamas's pocket. What do you say, Chris?
5: Totally agree with that. Let's reduce the demand. I totally get it, and I'm with you all the way. But, you know, you're a little dodgy there. OK, a couple of years ago when Trump was in president, this is all I know. And you could have a million reasons why uh, we uh Putin did not invade. And I probably wouldn't have thought about invading the Ukraine. OK. And gas was much cheaper. Everyone knows it. OK. Uh, and yeah, gas saying,
1: was are, gas, gas hit record lows during the covid during covid. We have – in. there have been times when there have been no international turmoil, and there have been times that OPEC has been in disarray, and there's been all kinds of times. Oil prices go up and down. It's a market situation. Sometimes we can control it, sometimes that we can't. But the one way that we can totally control it is if we just stop buying it. And we're back on the other side. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. It's great to have you along.
0: Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: So welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Hour 2. We're going to change it up a little bit here, talk a little bit about the latest in some of the legal cases, some big news. You know, Donald Trump has, I think it's 91 indictments, different charges. 800-848-WBC, 800-848-9222. I'm taking you to 4 o'clock. Curtis Lee will be coming in. So um, here's, the, here's what's significant about the news of the last couple of days. You know that you know, there has been this civil case that's been going on in New York City around the fraud that the Donald Trump was found guilty of as soon as his organization was found guilty of committing, valuing um, properties incorrectly, knowingly and benefiting from it. Now they're trying to figure out how much he has to disgorge back to the state and how much. And so that's what the trial. is. He has no reason to be there, by the way. He's just choosing to be there. Um, I guess because this is a very big deal. This, the, the, if he could conceivably have to, he will lose control over the only money-making properties that he has anymore. You know, he, you know. I've I've talked a few times about about his business model. He doesn't have a lot going on. He had a branding business to put his name on stuff. Well, no one wants his name on stuff anymore. He had a TV business, him doing shows. No one wants that anymore. He has a this Truth Social, which is. A, a money pit no, no one wants that. He can't sell it. He had a, a, a special purpose fund for that that no one wants to buy any of anymore. So, and most of the buildings that he has are not revenue generating, with exception of 40 wall, that is. So he can lose control of all these. So he, this is why this is probably the trial he cares about the most was the one going on in New York City. And he's been showing up and, um, and just basically sitting at the, at the defense table and grimacing a little bit. Um, he had a very funny, I think we have a tape video, he had a very funny exchange this week while he was talking. Well, let's, let's listen to what he had to say.
0: But this is what we go through because they want to keep me here instead of Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and lots of other great places. They want me to be here. And will you be back tomorrow by the Probably not. Uh, <laughs> I uh, probably we're having a very big uh, tournament, professional
1: golf tournament yes, at Durrell, So probably Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> they want me here. They want me. They don't want me in Iowa. They don't want me in South Carolina. So you're going to be back here tomorrow? No, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be at a golf tournament. That was a live golf tournament, by the way, for the Saudis. I referenced that. So he's that's the one he cares about. But what went down yesterday in the in some of the other cases? I mean, two big pieces of news since we met last. One. A couple of people flipped that are very important to his defense. And so why is this guy, Cheeseborough and Sidney Powell, why are these people so important? Well, in the case of Sidney Powell, she didn't work for government or anything like that, but she was in a lot of these meetings in the white house where they were coming up with the strategy to steal the election. And Cheeseborough was the guy that came up with this whole plan, this alternate electors plan. And for those of you who have not been paying attention I know there's a lot of different cases, Basically, we have laws governing how we run elections. We have laws governing who gets to vote. We have laws governing how you count the votes. And then we have laws going on how you challenge the count and whatever it is. And the 50 states have different laws for all those different things. So all of those laws were followed in the different states, and there were lawsuits and everything else. And all the legal channels were followed by Donald Trump. And they were all found that there was no fraud. There was no abuse. There was no, these elections were all on the up and up. And so somewhere along the line, this guy Cheeseborough put together this memo that said, well, we've now lost. We, we've tried everything legal. What if we did this thing that's not legal? And they went out and start, tried to do it. That's what the case is about. Now, if Cheeseborough says that he made it clear to President Trump that this process was not legal, at this memo that he wrote where it said basically this is stretching out beyond the law, but to put pressure on people to threaten Pence that he can't count the votes, things like that. If he says, I told Donald Trump that this was not lawful, then you can't say, to, well, my counsel said it was okay because defensive counsel can't be used if you knew something was not legal. So this goes to Donald Trump's state of mind. And for example – if it, it has been testified to that Donald Trump characterized Sidney Powell as crazy, if it's if his state of mind was this person was giving him bad advice, but he went ahead and did it anyway, that shows state of mind. So these two people have now agreed, they pled guilty to, to lesser things than they've agreed to testify in this case. And you don't testify against people below you in the food chain, you testify to people above you. Now, it's not the end of the world. Donald Trump can still make whatever case he wants and all he has to do is win over one juror. But uh, it's an important case. And the other thing that's been going on is these various different gag orders that have been debated. And this is really interesting stuff to me because there are different views of this. You know, on one hand, he does have a right to stand from the rooftop and say, I'm innocent. And he probably even has a right to stand up and say, the government is corrupt for prosecuting me. But, Like, and I've been through the criminal justice system, but like every other defendant, you can't do anything that's going to interfere with a trial. 800-848-WABC is the phone number, 800-848-9222. So if you start saying things like threatening court employees or doxing them by putting their phone number out or, or doing something that, that, that gets the jury pool to believe something that is not true. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 complicated because, you know, the fourth, fifth, and sixth amendments of the Constitution are there to protect you, make sure you get a, a – but you have the First Amendment too. You do get a chance to speak. So in these various different cases, he has different types of gag orders that have been contemplated. Some of them are very – I don't understand why he has a problem with them. Like why would you want to reveal the, the home address of court officers? Like why is that a good idea? But every court has said you can say whatever you want about the judge and you can say whatever you want about the Department of Justice. And the court in Washington even said you can say whatever you want about the prosecutor, basically. But there are some limits on what you're allowed to say. And I just want to make it clear that that's very standard. It's very standard stuff to have limits on what you're allowed to say and do. As a matter of fact, this other, this this case, um, Sam Bankman-Fried, whatever, f- or whatever his name is. He had limits on what he was allowed to say because he was trying to, he was trying to influence them. Um, they decide you're trying to, by talking, you're trying to influence witnesses. You can't do that. So that's been going on as well. One final thing, kind of the judicial update of the week. Another big news flash over James Comer and the New York Post. I came across, um, uh, uh during Greg Kelly's show that Joe Biden's Brother repaid a loan to Joe Biden. That's the news. But the thing that makes it part of the Hunter Biden, whatever case, is that Joe Biden's brother is someone who has made money trading on the Biden name. And as you know, because you've listened to me talk about this for a year now, the Bidens, not Joe, but Hunter and his brother and his sister in law, everyone under the sun was doing that time-honored and dishonorable thing of trading on the family name to try to make a buck. No doubt about it. It's slimy. I don't like it. It might even be against the law. Let's see. But they have yet to show Joe Biden gaining anything from this. Well, now they found a check from Joe Biden's brother to Joe Biden. And they're saying that since he repaid a loan to him and that Joe Biden's brother, whose name escapes me at the moment, got money from these slimy sources – Therefore, aha, Joe Biden is corrupt. Here we go again. Joe Biden has never traded on his own name. Joe Biden wasn't even in office for some of this period of time. And if they had Joe Biden getting any money from these foreign sources, I think you would have heard about it by now. But that did happen. I promise to keep you up to date on more stuff. And so there we go. So that's a little of the legal update of the week. And let's go back to the, the calls if people want to talk about this. First, let's go to Joanne in Westchester. Hey, Joanne, thank you for calling.
9: Oh, hey, thank you, Anthony.
1: I kept you on, on you? hold. I have been on hold a long time, two weeks ago, so I wanted to get to you right away today.
9: Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm going to – you know, I hate, I hate to be fresh because I really – you know what? Truth is, I really like you. And I have told so many people that I really think you're a brilliant guy, and I do. But you know that because you've even said that, so – Putting that aside, I don't like the way you handle anything about Trump, because I just think on that you're supposed to be down in the middle as your show says it is, quote unquote. Um, I don't think you are. I don't think you're fair. I just think you just dislike him immensely, like most Democrats do. And um, and I, I think you're just not fair where it comes to Trump. But you're but, but, but Trump, before case? But before you move off that point, I'll let you finish.
1: Well, I don't like people who
9: commit crimes, and he's been accused of 91 crimes. Oh, they're not big crimes, Anthony. You know that yourself. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You love to say you're not a lawyer. Okay, but you act like one. We know. Wait a minute.
1: What's a bigger crime than trying to overturn an election in a democracy? Name a bigger
9: crime. Guess what? I listened to a gentleman last night from Georgia. He's an ex-politician from Georgia. And he, on one of the shows, and I'm sure you can go back and review all the polls and all the it, and he said he worked there in the government, with the government, and in fact, it was fraud. And I know uh, in any okay. intelligent... Okay, but let me ask you, Joanne. Joanne, if,
1: if he tried to overturn an election, and the court finds that he tried to do that, should he go to prison?
9: Guess what? Guess what? If in fact it were real. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, and any intelligent person out there knows it, that that and there are many big guys. I don't mean myself, the average everyday people that are, you know, we know we're intelligent, too. But I'm talking about you big guys. You know, what? and I can name a few and I don't want to go there. But guess what? We know they tampered with it. In Joanne, Joanne,
1: you're not you're not answering my question. I couldn't help noticing that. If he did these crimes, should he go to prison?
9: If, in fact, and please don't hang up on me because I want to say one more thing. If, in fact, it turned out to be a crime, yes, yeah, a crime. Yeah. Okay, it so how do it. we
1: figure out in, in America, no, Joanne, just, work with me now. In the United States okay. of America, how do we decide if someone committed a crime?
9: How do we decide? Well, not by the Democrats because guess what? They commit a lot of crimes. But, well, Joanne, how do Jesus we do virus. it? How do we do it? Well, Ant. We get a guy like I heard last night on whatever show it was on. I mean, I can go back. and. Joanne, we don't get a guy
1: when we want want to, Joanne. I love you like I love you. But we don't get a guy when we want to try to figure out if a crime we have a trial. Right. Do we have a trial? Yeah, but they're very unfair. Look, look, this. so if you don't have a trial, all right,
9: Joanne, let
1: me finish. But you're not if you don't have a trial, then what's the other alternative? You just decide on the radio or I decide the only way we have to decide. And thank you so much for calling, Joe. And you're always a great caller. The only way we have to decide whether someone committed a crime is a trial. And if you're saying, well, I don't believe the trial and I don't believe the judge and I don't believe a jury and I don't believe the prosecutors and I don't believe the FBI. All I believe is some guy I heard on the radio. What country do we have? We have a system of government that is founded in a Constitution of the United States which talks about the idea it is the job of the executive branch of government through the Justice Department to faithfully make sure the law is followed. The Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments are the rights of people so that they're not railroaded by the government. And then we let the citizens have a jury to decide whether the person is guilty to an adversarial process called a trial. This guy is on trial for 91 different crimes. If he didn't do them, no one's going to have a better lawyer than Donald Trump. If he didn't do them, you're going to be able to find one juror that says he didn't do it. If he didn't do them, he has nothing to worry about. He gets the last laugh. But if he did them, he should go to prison for doing them the same way I went to prison because I did my crime. If you're a patriot, if you love this country, and you swear by the Constitution, and you, you, you cannot just say I don't think he did it, and I'm going to hold my breath until everyone agrees with me, or I'm going to wait till I get some guy on the radio at two o'clock in the morning, not you, Frank, the two o'clock, who says who says he didn't do it? Or fraud happens all the time. I'm a patriot. I believe in my country. I believe we have the worst judicial system in the world, except compared to every other one. Was I prosecuted under Trump? Yes. I did the thing. I accept responsibility for it. I know there was a higher standard for me because I was a public official. I knew that. Every day people are going to prison. Every day people are having trials. Every day people are being accused of crimes. It's not a perfect system. There are a lot of people every year that get exonerated because it turned out that they were railroaded by planted evidence or a a rogue cop or 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 they couldn't get a DNA because they could they attest because they couldn't afford or whatever it is or they couldn't afford a lawyer. But you can't say, I don't believe the guy did it and then say, but if he did do it, I still don't want him to be held responsible. That's not my country. It's not yours either. Come on. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I won't vote for him in in next year either. Not my cup of tea, sorry. But I do believe in the criminal justice system. If Hunter Biden did crimes and he's proven guilty of them by a jury of his peers and he goes to prison, that's where the chip that's that's the way the system works. If Donald Trump did all these things, and did and some of them, by the way, I've 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 said It doesn't take long. I encourage you to go read the indictment in the documents case. It's not complicated. No big words. He took stuff he wasn't allowed to have. The government said give it back. He said no. He moved it. He hid it. And then he shared it with people that had no security clearance. A Marine in Kansas just went to prison for that exact same thing. Let's go to Peter in Oyster Bay. Go, Peter.
2: Hey Anthony, um, I called about your social media choices, but as a quick aside, I wonder if you'll ever come up with any proof of Joe Biden's loan to his brother James. That would clear in the biggest suspicion. What, um, what,
1: what, what do you want the a proof that Joe Biden gave uh, gave his brother a loan?
2: Right, because that check said it's a loan repayment back to uh, back to James. Okay, so if if you can if you can prove to
1: if you can prove if if you can prove that, that there was a loan, what, what 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 have you gotten? How have you advanced the case at all?
2: Well we seeing money going to Joe saying it's a loan repayment. payment well, we also have no loan to James?
1: we have hunter biden also uh, um 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 sending money to to um to uh to joe biden for for rent on the house
2: yeah, it's all pretty snowy, but the reason I called <laughs> is um that last week you put down uh, twitter x in favor of uh facebook's threads and I think that that's more of a biased, censoring platform than Twitter X. Elon Musk bought Twitter to get rid of the the uh, censorship and the the, the, the canceling of conservatives. What about
1: Peter? Peter, oh, do you, sure. Peter, do you do you like all the anti-Semitism that's now on the platform?
2: I don't think there should be any censorship on social media. If someone's allowed to say something on a street corner. Totally cool. It should be allowed to do That it is online. totally
1: cool. So, so you're fine with all the anti-Semitism that's now on the platform.
2: No, but it's the
1: First Amendment. There's no First First Amendment in a private company. First Amendment is government. This is a private company. Are you fine with that private company having anti-Semitism? Me neither. We'll be back right after the break.
0: WABC. The power of information. The freedom to talk about it. With New York Attitude. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weiner he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
1: That's right, AM radio, and if you want some music after this show, Vinnie Baduño. Well, that's not true. First, got to have me and Curtis Leo, but Curtis sings a lot, and then Vinnie Baduño comes in. This is the best combination of music and talk and opinion and news, and it's great to have you along. You know, I have to say 800 wabc 800 The board is full up because folks like arguing about Donald Trump, and I don't, you know, I'm going to confess something to you now. This has been a very, very tough few weeks in that just what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in Israel. It's, it's the one of the two or three reasons I got into politics and I got and I ran for Congress is because I cared a lot about the state of Israel and our foreign policy and the support for Israel. It's something I remember during the time of the Yom Kippur war as a, I guess a nine year old, I was given this button to wear, I am a Zionist. And when I was a kid, I remember thinking, aren't the things that the IST at the end, aren't those the bad things, you know, fascist, racist, whatever it is. And I was wearing these buttons, I am a Zionist. It's, it's... And so the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, I was on the air when the rockets were actually landing in Israel. It's been really hard to kind of, even, you know, I like to listen to, the, to, to our station. I like to read the paper. It's been really hard um, to turn on the, TV is, it's, 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 and so the last, you know, the last 25 minutes or so, just getting back to arguing about the ridiculousness of, of the Donald Trump case and things like that, it's kind of been a little bit like, okay, we talked some, about something else for a little while, but it's easy to forget um, just how much is at stake. It really is, you know, when you have a former president and a candidate for president, these are, these are big moments and there's a lot of cases that are pending, that uh, you know, that are serious stuff. And um you know as i mentioned with Joanne and she's a great caller you know that that this really is testing our understanding and our knowledge of and our f- and our faith in the entire criminal justice system. And it's funny we have this conversation about crime in New York all the time and people are like throw the book at him. Well what do you think that is? Throwing the book at him is indicting someone? Impaneling a jury? Getting witnesses and then seeing what the judge and the jury say. Well, that's what this, that's what Donald Trump is facing. And you don't get to not face that. Let's go to Chris in New Jersey. Hey, Chris, welcome back.
4: Hey, Anthony, how are you, buddy? I'm good, pal. All right, so bear with me because every, like I said last time I spoke with you, every time there's a segment, I want to change my comment. But the most votes ever casted for a president in U.S. history was Obama, 67 million. Then Trump and Hillary, Hillary gets 66, Trump gets 63 million. Let's go to Trump and Biden. Trump gets 75 million, which is 8 million more than the most votes ever cast. And then Biden gets 82, which is 13 million more. The numbers just don't add up. You,
1: you, you know, you know, our country's growing, right?
4: Yeah, but not by that much. 30 million votes in four years. No, but every,
1: every, every. First of all, a lot of people voted. A lot of people voted during the COVID year because a, a lot of states made it easier to vote by mail, as they should, by the way, make it easier to vote. So, yeah, they're there. Everyone gain everyone every four, every four years. The total vote in the country goes up. So what do you, what's the argument you're making?
4: Just that uh, in four years' time, there's 30 million more votes cast. It just doesn't add up. For, I, no, no. 30,
1: 30 million doesn't make that much sense to me either, but a lot more people voted than did. But what's your point? You have 50 states that run their own elections, and they're all run the way you know to make sure that whatever happens, and then there are laws in those states, and you can sue if you think one of the laws wasn't followed. And one candidate won, one candidate lost. Just get over it, man. It's it, there was the, you had all. You know how many cases there were in the fifty states challenging the election? There's like eighty. You know how many of them went Donald Trump's way?
4: Zero. Votes to put a vote to a person. Say again. And they weren't allowed that. But here's here's my point is that two presidential candidates running the same year break the record for the most votes ever cast. Yes. Two things are going on here, Chris.
1: Now, you've now repeated this twice. I really do appreciate your calling. Two things were going on. One, every year more people come of age and the population of our country, thank God, is growing. More people register to vote. More people vote every four years. You can go look it up. Secondly, in 2020, we did some things that, frankly, we should have done before, which is make it a lot easier for people to vote in different ways because of the concerns about COVID. Now, when more people vote, that makes the election more, wait for it, representative of what people want. But he lost, Donald Trump lost to Hillary in the popular vote, and he lost to Joe Biden. Why are you Why is anyone surprised? And to say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. More people voted for the other guy. Yes, he's an unpopular man, Donald Trump. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how to break it to you. Let's go to Adam in Mineola. Hey, Adam, welcome back.
8: How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Um, I just wanted to
7: say that I listen to your station all the time, and some of your other hosts are claiming that cheese brawls, Plea is a misdemeanor, and I was trying to
8: tell him it's a felony. It's not a misdemeanor.
7: Could you please explain Cheesebro's uh plea, plea agreement, please? I think Cheesebro did plead to a felony.
1: Powell did not, but it. But let me just explain why it almost doesn't matter. And I've heard a couple of people kind of say, "Oh, he just pled to one." Like, um, did they did not plead to the. Powell did not complete to the conspiracy. She, she, compla- she uh, pled just to the part about the Coffee County breaking in to look into the voting machines. By the way, it's very funny. Powell goes on the air everywhere and says, "Oh, they broke in, they they hacked into the voting machines." To and then what does she agree, uh, uh, um, admit to? She hacked into the voting machines. But anyway, I think she did plead to a felony. But the important thing is that they agreed as part of their plea deals, and the plea deals were slaps on the wrist to testify about everything they knew about the entire case. And they already gave a proffer. They already gave a statement for what they're going to testify to. So maybe they all testify Donald Trump had nothing to do with it. I don't have any information about Donald Trump. And I was in the room, but I didn't hear anything interesting to the prosecution. If that's the case, Adam, they would not have, they would not have given them such a, a, a plea deal. What, what are they, What is the state? What is the state getting out of it? So that might answer your question.
8: Right, and I agree with you
7: about Joanne. I hear Joanne. You you really straightened her out with them answers you gave her. You was right on point, sir. Thank you too.
1: Well, I'm not, and I appreciate it. Joanne. Joanne's a great caller. You're a great caller. My my point is just to kind of stop the wheel spinning on some of the rhetoric. Um, that's the only the only point there. Um, let's go to Steve in Florida. Hey, Steve. Hey, Anthony, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks.
7: All right. Yeah, there's just a lot of things, you know, that are confusing. You know, we we all make mistakes, everybody. We're all sinners. You made yours. I make mine. Everybody has issues. Uh, What gets me is, you know, like like you pleaded guilty. Uh, Hunter first pleaded not guilty. I mean, first he pleaded not guilty. Guilty, then he pleads not guilty, and all this stuff. Sometimes it's to get a lesser charge, you know, and sometimes people aren't even guilty. You may not be guilty, you pleaded guilty to get a lesser charge. I don't know. I don't know the situation. But what I'm saying is an indictment. I have not seen any actual guilty verdicts on Trump. Are there any guilty verdicts right now? Excellent point.
1: The answer is kind of yes. He was found guilty, so to speak, in the civil case in New York um, of committing fraud. That has happened. Now the trial they're having is just how much he has to give back because of that fraud. But you are exactly right. Donald Trump, in its important call that Steve just made, everyone gets a presumption of innocence. And very often people plead to things that maybe they didn't do because of something I call the trial penalty, and I was a victim of it, that they will say, particularly in the federal courts, they will say to you, if you don't plead guilty to this count and say everything we said you did, you did, we are going to charge you something that has a mandatory minimum of three times as much or, t- or eight times as much. It's called the trial penalty, and it's outrageous. And so, Steve, I can't disagree with you that we have to wait and see how this all plays out. Do you have anything else you want to add?
7: Morals and ethics. That's what I say. And he's not guilty. I would do the same thing. I would fight. If I'm not guilty, I would fight all the way, even if I'm facing life in prison or whatever, I would fight and fight and fight. And that is what Trump is doing. And on all these people with the Trump syndrome don't understand that.
1: Well, I look. first of all, and I appreciate Steve, and I can tell you, look, I sat in that seat. And I, I want to say from the outset, I accept responsibility for what I did. I was charged with something that no one has ever been charged with and went to prison for something that no one has ever gone to prison with in the history of the Southern District of New York. And I accept that. I accept it was because of my actions and no one else. But all that being said, I was offered a deal to maybe do to do 21 months or if I said no one went to trial and demanded that someone stand, uh, uh, you know, that they put their their evidence up and put their witnesses up on the stand, and let me cross-examine them. I faced, they said, we're going to charge you with a mandatory minimum of 10 years. And I, and I had a five-year-old kid at the time. And I know that Steve says, oh yeah, you'll fight it through that. But I'm saying, no, there's a reason why 97% of cases do not go to trial. So it's a very important note that when you're facing the pressure that Powell faced, when you're facing the pressure that Sheesborough faced, that a plea deal doesn't necessarily mean You know, everything that you think. But all of that being said, we have a this is the process. And now he's going to go to trial and Donald Trump can afford lawyers I could not afford. And Donald Trump can get on his social media platform in ways that I couldn't. And Donald Trump could call up the editor of the New York Post and say, I don't like that headline, making fun of my name and calling me a a name. And I couldn't afford to pay off people to not speak about me. And whatever. So he has disadvantages. he has advantage. But Steve makes a very important point. Donald Trump, as of now, is guilty of none of these things. However, I will say the next thing. If he did the things that are in these indictments, he's an American just like I am and just like you are. You're not above the law. Sorry. And some of those indictments tell a terrible story. A story of a person who did, who was careless with our secrets, showed them to people that shouldn't have them, undermined our democracy, caused violence. If they're true, and if you're found guilty of a jury, by a jury, then you go to jail because you're an American and this is the system of government we have. It's The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side of the break.
6: Talk Radio 77.
0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
1: Back to the middle, Elvis Costello Bring us back in with Radio Radio. I'll be taking you up to 4 o'clock. Curtis Lewa comes in. We're going to be talking about the protests that have been going on in the city and what they tell us about the debate we're having in the city and also the latest on the migrant crisis and Curtis's reaction to the fact that there are parades of dressed-up dogs in the East Village down by Tompkins Square Park. As you know, Curtis is a cat guy. To to a ridiculous degree, eight hundred eight forty WABC. You can always find me also on Twitter. Someone accused me of like being in the bag for threads a little while ago. I don't. I don't. I don't think I've spent five minutes on threads, Anthony D Wiener. But I do know what this, uh, Twitter's turned into. Wiener W-A-B-C at gmail.com is my email address. By the way, we have a podcast called The Middle Unplugged that drops every Wednesday. Recently, it's been a lot about Israel. It's more about Israel this week. This week we go kind of country by country and talk about how the countries of the Arab world, none of them have clean hands in this. And also, if you miss any part of this show, almost immediately when we go off the air, this gets turned into a podcast, you can catch any part of it. And um, we really do appreciate you joining into the conversation. As I said, breathing a little bit, exhaling a little, it's funny, you know, it, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about, about Donald Trump anymore, but now it's like, Talking about Hunter Biden is almost a relief. It makes the world seem normal after the craziness that's going on in the Middle East. And it's going to get even worse. You know, another thing for people to understand, and this is on both sides, on the people who are supporting the Palestinians and people who are steadfast supporters of Israel, once Israel goes in, and I presume that they will at this point, and once they do they ever, that they need to do to extract Hamas by the roots – And it's not going to be pretty because Hamas is situated cheek to jowl with, you know, intentionally with children and 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 places that people are living. They do that intentionally. But once that happens, then what? Then what? Then what happens to these two million some odd people? Then what happens to this piece of land? Does it become a hotbed of even more terrorism? Does Islamic Jihad move in where the PL where the uh, where Hamas was? Does Hezbollah, which is really, which is an Iranian state that's in the north of Iran, that in the north of Israel, it's operating mostly out of Lebanon. Did they occupy the void? There was a reason Israel left, uh, left, um, Gaza in 2005 largely to say, manage it yourself, you the Palestinians. So wherever you stand on this, what comes next could potentially be problematic. But we're talking about Donald Trump a little bit and the cases against him. Let's go to Peter in Long Island. Hey, Peter, thanks for calling.
5: Yeah, hi, Anthony. Um, as my girls, my 10-year-old girls call you, Anthony the whiner. Um,
7: I just was wondering why when people call in,
5: do you mute them so we can't actually have a conversation? And then when you listen back, it's so one-sided. I've noticed that a couple of times.
1: That's what you waited on, hold to ask? You want to know how how radio operates? Okay, I'll explain. So what happens is, is the way the technology works is while I'm talking, so you don't hear two voices at once, while I'm talking, my microphone automatically mutes the, the callers. So does that answer your question?
5: It's not, it's not a discerning conversation. As an example, when I've seen you at the Ferry Hawks game, you and your dad don't stand up for the national anthem, and I was wondering why.
1: Taking a run at my late father. Wow, Peter, you really brought your A game today. Um, let's go to Joe on Long Island. Go ahead, Joe.
3: Hello. Uh, you know what? I don't want to disappoint you, but I have I have very little esteem for you. And uh, to me, you're just a rat-faced jerk-off.
1: <laughs> did that go out over the air? I'm I'm actually fine if it did. I, I, it's it's funny that guy waited for 17 minutes and 51 seconds, and that's what he brought. Someone asking me how the microphones work, and the next guy. And, and and the next guy saying I'm whatever. Okay, uh, that's all fine. Let's go to Frank in Brooklyn. Hey, Frank, you got a really a really high bar. you got to get over here.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, um, I have a little more class than that. Uh, first of all, I, I wish you were the mayor instead of this uh, individual that's there now. But I'm curious, the statement you made concerning Donald Trump, that he's guilty of these charges, they're all bad and all that stuff. And it's a testament. I think the word used was was a testament to the American justice system or our justice system. Okay, so my question is, is it a justice system that is, quote-unquote, just when a person runs runs for political office and vows to get someone without saying, what? I happen to know that he embezzled this, that, 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 never made a, a, a statement concerning what he did, just that I will get him and I will prosecute him. There to go after
1: someone. I don't. I don't know. I, by the way, I've heard. I have to do more research on this. I have heard Donald Trump say that. I don't know if Tish James did campaign on that. But you know, there were stories in the newspaper long before this prosecution. It was the New York Times who revealed this fraud. It wasn't Tish James. The New York Times got a hold of Donald Trump's um, statements and compared them to what they came to know about other statements. Remember, in in the in the civil case against Donald Trump about fraud. People say, well, how did the judge know how to value a different property? They were comparing Donald Trump's words against Donald Trump's words. He would say it's worth something and then he'd write in a document it's worth something else. But, Frank, I don't dispute what point that I think you're making here. I don't think prosecutors should run for office and saying I'm going to throw the bum in jail. I don't think they they should do that. But I do know that that's how prosecutors – and by the way, Tish James is not really a prosecutor. The, the attorney general in our state doesn't really do criminal prosecutions. That's why this is a civil case. But all the time you have criminal prosecutors and say, I am not going to give bail to anyone who 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 um, who uh, what's the uh, uh, who shoplifts or I am going to do, ask for the death penalty for anyone who um, who commits murder. People run for office all the time to give the citizens that they're asking for their vote as a prosecutor, this is the kind of prosecutor I'm going to be. But I kind of think you're right. If Tish James did say, I'm going to prosecute the guy. But remember, there was, Frank, a lot in the public domain that was already true about this case because the New York Times revealed it. You remember that, don't you?
3: I do, but I I, I don't think that uh, proceeded. Uh, that came after she was out, out uh, uh, expounding these the statements of "I will get him, I will get him, and I will prosecute him." I don't think that New York Times situation came out yet. After she was expounding that down the road, I could be wrong. Um, that that uh, that's when she's, I, I you know, um, that she's kept on saying that she's going to prosecute him. I'm out to get Donald Trump. Well,
1: here's 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 what I will do, Frank, and thank you. I appreciate the call. But here's what I will do. I know that a lot of people made the same case about the prosecutor here um, in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg. They kept saying he promised to prosecute Donald Trump. He promised it. And I went back and I looked because I'm a resident of Manhattan. He never said that. Never said it in any town hall meeting. Never said he says I'm going to let the chips fall where they may, ba-ba-ba. And, you know, I have to hear that case, and so I'm not going to say anything about it in advance. So that turned out not to be the case, but I will check on the Tish James quotes. I agree. I don't think you should say I'm going to prosecute someone, but the New York Times story definitely preceded it. The New York Times story actually came out before the election of 2020 about where Donald Trump had made his money, how they went about doing it. It had people in the organizations. It was a big expose because they got a copy of the, um, of the uh, Donald Trump uh, taxes before the public did in in, in other ways. Um, Next, let's go to uh, – let's get to Russ in White Plains. Hey, Russ, thank you for calling.
7: Thank you, Anthony. And, uh, you know, here we have the most Jewish people outside of Israel, and I think a lot of people are showing up for Palestine, number one, because we we know the government told us a lot of lies during the pandemic. And I think you should take it as a sign that even – Jewish people are not showing up for Israel. And Anthony, I want to point out one thing. You said Hamas leaders live outside of Gaza. That's because they're targeted killings by the Israeli government. They're kind of like Putin. And Anthony, you also said, Palestinians are perceived as underdogs because they're wearing ripped jeans. I mean, there's hundreds of main battle tanks and fighter jets against lawnmowers with wings and AK-47s. Are you really seriously saying that? And I want to know, is that a characteristic of Israel's supporters in general, that they're willfully blind.
1: Thanks, Sam. No, no. I look. If you just believe, and I appreciate the call. If you just believe, like Russ does, that you're that that this is just a group of ragtag people in 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 the in, in Gaza who are just you know standing up for their rights. This is Iran. This is Saudi Arabia. This is Qatar. This is the entire region, with the exception of Egypt, which is which has a peace deal with them. Ever since its existence, 20 nations surrounding one nation the size of New Jersey. In 1960, 1948, they were attacked. 1967, 2014, 1973. You gotta, you cannot believe that my listeners are naive enough to believe that it's just a bunch of ragtag kids in the, in the territories against the big bag of Israelis. Yes. Those 20 countries that surround Israel try to wipe her off the map in 1967, failed. Try to wipe her off the map in 1973, failed. Try to wipe her off the map in 1948, failed. Try to wipe her off the map in 2023 and failed. But that doesn't mean that she's somehow the, 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 the Goliath in that part of the world. All those other countries use the Palestinians and their territories as cannon fodder against Israel. Behind the scenes is Iran. Behind the scenes is Saudi Arabia. The richest countries in the region are using the Palestinians. And if you really care about the Palestinians, you should say it should stop. It is the Israelis that offer the Palestinians peace over and over and over again. And it is their godfathers in Iran in Tehran and in Riyadh who have said no and that's the tragedy we'll be right back
0: this is the middle with Anthony Weiner 77 WABC <laughs>
6: Welcome back to the middle.
1: We're here for a few more minutes, and then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. Curtis and I are going to mix it up a little bit. Actually, we, we agree more than, you know, regular listeners know we agree on a lot of things. He wants to be mayor. I ran for mayor. He ran for mayor. We both kind of come from the same kind of middle class view of the city. He's kind of been riding this migrant, train for a while, but there are some similarities in that he knows a thing about organizing and rallies and things like that, and he's observed what I have, which is, frankly, the rallies, the pro-Palestinian rallies have been bigger than the supportive Israel rallies. Full stop. And that's a surprise. Not that it matters that much. In the big scheme of things, the difference between the people that are supporting the Palestinians and the people that are supporting Israel is the people that are supporting Israel are the people that have been elected to run this country. They're the people that run other countries. They're the people that, that are decision makers. And why is that? It's because people who make it their job to kind of understand issues, Democrat and Republican alike, have come to the conclusion that Israel is an important ally of the United States, a Democrat in that, a, Democrat, a democracy in that in that part of the world that doesn't have any others, and that Hamas is a bloodthirsty terrorist organization that doesn't care about Palestinians at all. Simple question here. Who do you think has shown that they care more about the Palestinians? You think Hamas? I mean, has Hamas really shown that? Oh, and one other thing. We didn't get to this. If you have Hamas saying that something happened during this war, don't run with it. Don't tweet about it. Don't report it. Just wait. Take a deep breath. 5,000, you know, 500 people died when a hospital was hit. Hamas, Hamas, Palestinians, uh, you know, Hamas says. And it, the New York Times runs it and sends me an alert to my phone. Well, turns out a couple of dozen, and it was the parking lot, and it was not Hamas. It, it was not the Israelis. It was the Islamic Jihad. Great. I'm glad we got that figured out. And we did it here, too. I actually texted Noam Layton. He was saying a reported 500. I said, don't say that. If it's reported by Hamas, if it's reported by authorities in the territories, you can almost bet it's not true. Fog of war, my butt. They just lie. But there is a thing, and, and Curtis and I are going to talk about it. I mean, there, you know, there must have been fifteen hundred people or so marching, marching on the, on the Upper East Side uh, uh, on uh, yesterday. And you look at these posters; they've got you know, Free Palestine, okay what exactly does that mean to you free from what right now israel is trying to free them by getting rid of hamas in 2000 in uh, in 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 the in 1999 2000 2001 it was the israelis who were trying to free them by giving them control of their government by empowering the palestinian authority and what did it get them in 2005 Gaza was completely free of Israel because Israel left. And what happened? It became a launching pad for terrorism ever since. Ceasefire now. Okay? Then what? How about ceasefire now? Release the terror, release the hostages now. Would it kill you to put that on your side? No. Do you believe that? Do these people believe that? I wonder. I don't even know. It's a problem. It's a real problem on the American left right now, and I call the show the Middle because the the fringes of the two party the, the, the American right is a cesspool of anti-Semitism. The far right, not all, not most, not even not even a lot. But the two fringes dominate this conversation, and all the media loves it. They stand and they talk to some someone holding this poster. They love Rashida Talib. You know, for all we talk about the squad, do you know what the squad has ever done in Washington? Nothing. Nothing. They're meaningless. They're just people. They're just, you know, we, everyone runs to them because they, they give a good copy. And these anti Semites that, 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 that must is invited back onto, you know, some of them are big. No, I'm not saying they're not, but a lot of them are like, the people that, that yells anti-Semitic stuff at me on um, on Twitter, they're like, you know, i got 10 followers, 15 followers, but there's a lot of them. <laughs> anyway, I'm optimistic. I am. That's the whole thing. I'm optimistic that we can find space in the middle where we agree on stuff and we can push away from those fringes. You don't like the name of my show? You want it to call the, the center instead of the middle? You want to call it left-leaning this? Well, the point is that overwhelmingly Americans support the right – of Jews to live in peace in the Middle East. Does that mean we don't want Palestinians to live? Fine, they can live in peace too. Does it mean that we want children to, I know, you're never going to see, it is, is, I remember the idea of chopping any child's head off or taking a kid hostage. That's not going to happen. Thank God. And at four o'clock, Curtis Lee will come in. And if we can get along, can't the Palestinians and the Jews? I mean, seriously. I'm going to start wearing a little... He's got his red beret. I'm going to start wearing a blue top hat. I don't know what sateen is, or I'd get one of those jackets for myself. It's Anthony Weiner. This has been The Middle. I'm so grateful for your support. We'll see you next week. Stick around for Left Versus Right.
0: This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays 77 WABC News starts now. 77 WABC News at 59 past the hour, 63 degrees, partly cloudy in the Saturday, October 21st.